wonderful mantra. Well, welcome everyone. <clears throat> I'd like to begin my programs by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began every program by saying in Hindi, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he said that that's the essence of spirituality, to welcome another person with love and to welcome yourself with love. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you all. And um, when uh, Parmananda was giving her talk, it reminded me of a, an episode that happened with with uh, with Baba, with me, many, many years ago. And outside of Mumbai, and uh, I was the hall monitor. We had all the programs in the front hall, uh, and one of the programs we had was <coughs> seven-day, what we call seven-day sapta, uh, which is a 24-hour-a-day chanting session of Hari Ram. And people would dance around a flame for 24 hours a day for seven days. It was very intoxicating. You'd be given two-hour shifts, and the men would, would uh, do it during the night, the 12 hours of the night, and the women would chant and dance. With the, you could sit in there, but the dancers would be the women for 12 hours during the day. <clears throat> and as the hall monitor, I had many duties, uh, the most intoxicating of which was to work with Baba to get the, the, uh, the what was it, the, what was it? it would be, new, be, get the men off and the women on. That's what it was, because it would be 6 a.m. And the men would have to come off and the women would come on. And I was the hall monitor, so Baba, the first day of the Sapta, you know, time came, he gave me a little signal. And uh, I went into action and brought them off, went on, no problem. Second day, a little more difficult. I was just watching him, you know, for it, and it was not clear. And then he gave it, and okay. And... Um, but I started to think, this could be something. The third day, it was very weird. Baba started looking this way and that way, making all kinds of gestures, and I thought, what am I going to do? And, and I said, it's game on. He's torturing me. <clears throat> and so this went on all through the weekend. It got more and more subtle and hard to do it. And, I, and my tension built, my blood pressure rose, I couldn't sleep at all. Well, I was up all night, but I couldn't sleep during the day. I was completely wired to this one moment at uh, sunrise every day uh, that I would get it wrong. And um, so finally the last day came, the big, uh, the big uh, last turnaround. Turn <clears throat> and by this time it had come very, very subtle. So I was very nervous. I, I came and then Baba is, was acting so strange and he was going like this and like that. I said, is that it? Is that it? And, you know, and I'm trying to hold my position and wait till I get a clear signal. I said, give me a clear signal. He's going, you know. And, um, 
and um, and just at that moment, Amma, Baba's secretary, who I trusted implicitly until that moment, <laughs> and who I adored, came up and said, "Whisper to me, it's um, it's time. Take them off." And I, I always thought she was an extension of Baba, so I obeyed completely. And I uh, brought the women on, brought the men off, and Baba goes, screw, freaked me out, and I was like completely wrong. And, uh, and I went to her later and I said, Amma, how could you do that? You, and it's, oh, she ran off laughing. She went off, hee, 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 she was used to it. She's been in Baba's fire for a thousand years. And he said it was just a joke. To me, it was the worst thing that ever happened. And she said, you'll get over it. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> so anyway, um, the, um, tonight, uh, the the uh, subject is one of the great sages of the 20th century, uh, a person who I met one time in Mumbai. He's a great Jnani, and he spoke about the highest philosophical wisdom about the nature of consciousness, the nature of the self. But just this week, someone sent me uh, a film clip in which uh, a, a profound uh, a philosopher and professor and scholar spoke about the highest reality. And he speaks about it so succinctly as to, I think, give us all an experience. I wanted you to see it. Just let me say a, a small trigger alert. His, his expression is so profound and um, uh, unexpected, it may blow your mind. So just trigger alert. Now just watch. It's only a minute long. Let's watch that. <laughs> Wait, go Life back, go back. Life makes no sense. You're on a planet right now. You think you're in America? Zoom out. You're on a space rock floating in nothingness, infinite nothingness, and the infinite nothingness is expanding. That means endlessness is getting bigger. That makes no fucking sense. <laughs> we all just act like it's normal. Like, oh, we're, everything's made of molecules. Okay. <laughs> Got it. I'll never think about that again. I'm made of molecules, you're made of molecules, the air between us, it's all made of molecules. That makes no fucking sense. These molecules know they're molecules. These molecules are like, I'm Pete. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's very good, actually. <clears throat> we never think about the human predicament, and it's quite extraordinary when you think about it that way, the big picture. <clears throat> so one of the people who, uh, who uh, gave some answers about that was uh, Nisargadatta Maharaj. He was, um, he was a cigarette salesman who lived in Mumbai, and he sold cigarettes. Uh, but also he was a yogi, and he became very interested in self-knowledge and so on. And so because there's a wealth of yoga teachers and, and uh, great beings in the area, he visited some of them. 
And then he connected with one, and that one told him, you should meditate on the thought, I am. Take that thought inside, say to yourself, I am, and trace that I am into the feeling of it and experience what is, what you are. Experience it that way. And he worked with that, and he worked with that, and, and in three years he had a permanent experience of the self by his own account. But he didn't go off and found an ashram or start anything. He continued to sell cigarettes, poisoning everyone. Um, but uh, his friends started to notice a difference, and they started to hang out with him, and he started explaining about the self and about consciousness and so on. And be, pretty soon they told other friends, and before long there was a group that met every night at his place, just a, a little apartment in a very humble part of Mumbai. And um, they would talk to him about these philosophical matters, and he would talk to them, then they would do a little chanting, meditate, and so on. And that was the place that, that I met him on one of my visits into Mumbai. And this is the Sargadatta Maharaj. And you can see there that he's very intense and feisty, and he, he loves to engage and to argue and to discuss and to dispel ignorance. Uh, and he also smoked, chain smoked right in front of you, but nobody else could smoke in the room. You know, very clever. Next. There he is in the middle of his conversations. Very full of love also, I noticed. And the time I met him, um, there was no translator. Uh, and uh, we communicated through, uh, uh, I don't know, universal language or something. I showed him a picture. I said, my guru, Muktananda. He said, oh, Muktananda. He said, and he points on the wall, my guru. He points his guru. And it was like that. But there was so much love flowing. I thought, this is a, a, a saint. But I didn't realize that he was such a, a great jnani, a person of wisdom, until I saw his book some years later. Next, what's the last one? Oh, he's expounding a point there. That's the room that I met him. It's a, it's a little small room, much smaller than this room, in which uh, pictures of the saints, and they would have chanting and so on. <clears throat> so then in the mid-70s, uh, a book called I Am That came out, which is a, a collection of dialogues with Nisargadatta Maharaj, and it's a, a wonderful book, one of the modern classics. And this is one of the dialogues with, with him. <clears throat> An American woman came. And foreigners started coming uh, by word of mouth uh, to the satsang. And then they would have his Marathi. He spoke in Marathi, which is the local dialect of Maharashtra, that state. Uh, and it would be translated into English for, for all the foreign devotees. So the American woman says, I'm an American by birth, and for the last year I was staying in an ashram in Madhya Pradesh studying yoga in its many aspects. We had a teacher whose guru, a disciple of the great uh, Shivananda, stays in Mungar. Uh, so that must have been Swami Satyananda, very well known in Australia. I stayed at Ramana's ashram also. This is uh, the ashram of the great sage Ramana, Ramana Maharshi. Um, while in Bombay, I went through an intensive course of Burmese meditation managed by one Goenka. Uh, I wonder if uh, that was the course I was in. I was in the course with Goenka, 
the great Buddhist uh, teacher of Vipassana uh, meditation. I took a course with him in uh, February, March of 1971, just before I went to Baba's ashram. <clears throat> she says, yet I have not found peace. Um, there is an improvement in self-control and day-to-day discipline, but that is all. I cannot say exactly what caused what. I visited many holy places. How each one acted on me, I cannot say. So it begins with a little wins, right? I don't know if I've gotten anything. I've done all this work. Maharaj, good results will come sooner or later. At Sri Ramana Ashram, did you get some instructions? So it's interesting. He's saying, don't worry, something will happen. But then he's interested in what happened to at Ramana's ashram because there's always a connection between uh, Nisargadatta and Ramana. They're in the same kind of, uh, what's the word, line, you could say. Question, yes, some English people were teaching me and also an Indian follower of Yana Yoga residing there permanently was giving me lessons. Of course, Ramana would have been long dead and he died in 1950. And so some of his uh, key disciples still lived in the area. Maharaj, what are your plans? Uh, the devotee, I have to return to the States because of visa difficulties. I intend to complete my Bachelor of Science, study naturopathy, and make it my profession. Maharaj, a good profession, no doubt. Uh, uh, devotee, is there any danger in pursuing the path of yoga at all cost? Maharaj, is a matchstick dangerous when the house is on fire? <laughs> this, so, I mean, you are, your house is burning. You're, you, you've got a human birth. Your actual condition, if you look at it, is critical. <clears throat> the search for reality is the most dangerous of all undertakings, for it will destroy the world in which you live. But if your motive is love of truth and life, you need not be afraid. Question, I'm afraid of my own mind. It is so unsteady. I think that a lot of people who begin the path uh, discover, I certainly discover with great shock how completely out of control my mind was. I never realized that until I took a good look at it. <clears throat> it was running according to some strange program that I had no idea uh, what caused it and why I was doing that. And it wasn't to my benefit either. <clears throat> Maharaj, in the mirror of your mind, images appear and disappear. The mirror remains. Learn to distinguish the immovable in the movable, the unchanging in the changing. So saying that, that many things happen, many ideas, thoughts come up in our minds but there is a permanent entity that's always there throughout your whole life. Whatever age you are, whatever mood you're in, whatever uh, philosophical position you may be holding, it can even change. But there's a background which is unchanging. And of course, we would say that's consciousness or the self. And the mind, the flux of thoughts goes on in front of that. He says, so distinguish those. <clears throat> until you realize that all the differences are an appearance only and oneness is a fact, that the real truth is 
the underlying reality. This basic identity is only the realization that all is one. You may call it God or Brahman or even Prakriti. The words matter little. Whatever you call it, Brahman, nature, you can call it nature, anything. Once you can say with confidence, born from direct experience, I am the world, the world is myself. I am the world, the world is myself. <clears throat> and in a few weeks, that's, that's actually uh, the sutra, Lokananda Samadhi Sukham in Shiva Sutras. Uh, the bliss of Loka is the same bliss as Samadhi. The, the bliss that you get in the world is the same bliss that a yogi gets in meditation. I'm going to be uh, looking at that sutra in a couple of weeks. <clears throat> you're, free from, you're free from desire and fear on one hand, when you, when you become that, when you can say that, I am the world, the world is in me, then you're free from desire and fear on one hand, and you become totally responsible for the world on the other. You take full responsibility. The senseless sorrow of mankind becomes your sole concern. You know, because the Buddhists talk about compassion, don't they? The bodhisattva vow. And the truth is that a great yogi uh, even when he attains himself, he doesn't say, aha, I'm free, everybody else is screwed, the hell with them. <laughs> He's touched by the, the suffering, needless suffering, as Maharaj says. It's all psychological suffering because of wrong understanding. So, of course, the great yogi helps. That's why the great beings served us. The white Bhagwan Nityananda stayed in his body and, and met people, and why Baba Muktananda met so many thousands of people travel the world to tell them about this, this truth. Question, does even a jnani have problems? <laughs> Maharaj, yes, but they're no longer of his own creation. His suffering is not poisoned by a sense of guilt. There's nothing wrong with suffering for the sins of others, <laughs> suffering because of common humanity. Your Christianity is based on this. Question, is not suffering self-created? Maharaj, yes, much suffering is caused by ego and by the feeling of separateness, psychological suffering, tendencies that we learned early on somehow that we keep rehearsing in our inner space and telling stories that we tell ourselves, negative stories that we tell ourselves. <clears throat> Ultimately, you learn that there is no sin, no guilt, no retribution, only life in its endless transformations. A rock careening through infinity. <laughs> what, how do you pronounce infinite? The infinite? He mispronounced that, didn't he? The infinite. The infinite, he said, didn't he? The infinite. <clears throat> um, when we become established in the self, personal suffering disappears. What remains is the great sadness of compassion, the horror of the unnecessary pain. <clears throat> Question, you mentioned unnecessary pain. However, isn't everything determined? Maharaj, no, nothing is necessary. Nothing is inevitable. <clears throat> Habit and passion blind and mislead. It's hard to believe, but 
it's true that it, when you do a study of your own mind and psyche, that the suffering is the result of habitual patterns that have been programmed in you, and you give and you support by by believing them and continuing them. It's extraordinary understanding that everyone should come to, because when you see that clearly, you get the power to get rid of them and put in healthy patterns. And who gives healthy patterns? The great beings teach those healthy patterns. He says, compassionate awareness heals and redeems. There's nothing we can do to alter the flow of events. So he's saying, you can't change the way things happen, but you can change the inner. That's what he's saying. But we can assume the right attitude. We should let things happen according to their nature. Reminds me of uh, Epictetus. Very stoic attitude, isn't it? Whatever happens, whatever happens outside, your business is your own attitude. This inner space, you govern this inner space. This little bit of space in here, your heart, your mind, your thought and your feeling. Govern that space, keep that clear. Keep the clear space of good feeling. Keep it that way, no matter what happens outside. And if you get disturbed, work it back. Use your intelligence to come back to that space. Sometimes it's very challenging. There are things that happen in life that are very challenging, inevitably you'll be challenged, inevitably, because as the Buddha said, there's old age, disease, and death, our three friends. <clears throat> but it'll, but it, we have to work to keep that space clean. He says, uh, question, do you advocate complete passivity? <laughs> Maharaj, clarity and kindness is active. So that's a clear space of good feeling, clarity, and kindness, good feeling, love, clarity and kindness is active. Love is not lazy, and charity gives direction. Don't worry about action. Look after your mind and heart. That's a perfect statement of the teacher. Don't worry about external. Look after your mind and heart. Tend that little space of consciousness. Stupidity and selfishness are the only evil. So he's saying, keep, maintain, tend the clear space of good feeling within. Notice when it gets out, when you lose it. Make effort to get back to it. When you're in it, hold it. Discover the secrets of it. There's so much profundity there. <clears throat> it's worth applying your whole attention to this supposedly small quest, which is actually monumental. Now she, uh, I mean, that's the full teaching, it seems to me. Then she changes the subject. <laughs> Question, what is better, repetition of God's name or meditation? Uh, and uh, Maharaj says, uh, repetition will stabilize your breath. With deep and quiet breathing, vitality will improve. By repeating the mantra, the breath becomes quiet, and then when the breath is good, your vitality, the breath is the vital energy. And it will improve, which will influence the brain and help the mind to grow pure and stable and fit for meditation. Without vitality, 
little can be done. Hence the importance of its protection and increase, to control, to increase your vitality. And saying that breath control, repetition of mantra is a good way. He says, posture and breathing are a part of yoga, for the body must be healthy and well under control, but too much concentration of the body defeats its own purpose. For it is the mind that is, pri is primary in the beginning. And when I first got to India, uh, I studied with a, a great yogi, Hatha yogi, um, and, but I discovered that his followers became obsessed by the body. Um, and they would constantly, we did all kinds of exercises all day long, body-oriented, you know, cleansing exercises, swallowing cloth, and doing things like this and that, doing lots of pranayama and all that. And everyone became incredibly um, uh, obsessed by it, about the amount of mucus that showed up on your cloth, you know, and stuff like that. So I thought, this is not exactly what I'm here for. Anyway, <laughs> not, that, not that getting rid of mucus isn't a great thing, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> but it's the mind, it's the getting the control of the mind, making the mind move in the proper channels. When the mind has been put to rest and disturbs us no longer, the inner space, no, disturbs no longer the inner space, he calls it the chittakash, clear space of good feeling, the body acquires a new meaning, and its transformation becomes both necessary and possible. If you can get the mind in a state of peace and clarity, then your health improves, your psychology improves, everything improves, even your relationships improve. Question, I've been wandering all over India meeting many gurus uh, and learning in driblet several yogas. Is it all right to have a taste of everything? <laughs> Maharaj, you see, that, was, that would have been the early 70s, and uh, there were a lot of seekers wandering around all of India, going from ashram to ashram, and there'd be, there was like a, a, what do you call it, a word of mouth, what do you call that? Oh. Yoga trail. Yoga trail, but what? Grapevine. Grapevine, that's it. You heard it on the grapevine, that's the one. There was a grapevine, though, ooh, the yogis were, and, and uh, as soon as I got to uh, Delhi, I asked the first uh, uh, hippie in the street, I said, where are the yogis? He says, Rishkesh, man. <laughs> I wanted to go immediately. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Maharaj says, this is but an introduction. You will meet a man who will help you find your own way. So is he speaking prophetically? You will meet a guru. You will meet someone. <clears throat> Question. I feel that the guru of my own choice cannot be my real guru. Listen to this tearing thought. To be really must be unexpected and be irresistible. It's very interesting. Say, so if I choose one, it'll be the wrong one. It must be one that comes and beats me over the head unexpectedly. <clears throat> Maharaj says, not to anticipate is best. The way you respond is decisive. Question, am I the master of my responses? Maharaj, discrimination and dispassion practiced now will yield their fruits at the proper time. That's Viveka and Vairagya, uh, Patanjali talks about them. These twin aspects, one is 
insight which separates the true from the false, and the other is the ability to let go the false, to let go what's bad and choose the good. These are two qualities that, that have to be developed, viveka and viragya. Otherwise, we're choosing the bad and get rid of the good. And in our lives, if you look back, you'll see how many times you did that, again and again and again. So these qualities have to be developed. He says, practice those. Just worry about that. Practice that, and then you'll find the right person. He says, if the roots are healthy and well-watered, the fruits are sure to be sweet. Be pure, be, an, be alert, keep ready. So these are the upadesh, or spiritual teachings for her. Say, be, you know, you could use that. Be alert, be alert, be ready. Be in that posture. Don't anticipate, just be ready. Question, are austerities and penances of, of any use? <clears throat> Maharaj, this is great. Because uh, 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 when I did go to India, a lot of people wanted to do austerities, to perform uh, intense uh, yoga of different types. Um, so Maharaj says this, to meet all the vicissitudes of life is penance enough. You need not invent trouble. <clears throat> this whole world has been set up to test you and push you in every way to the extreme of your ability. You don't have to go and stand on one foot in the Himalayas for 12 years. You don't have to do that. Your life will be that way. He says, to meet cheerfully whatever life brings is all the austerity you need. It's the Stoics again that come in. <laughs> to meet, to stay in that space and handle, handle what happens. <clears throat> what about sacrifice? Maharaj says, share willingly and gladly all you have with whoever needs. Don't invent self-inflicted cruelties. Question, what is self-surrender? Maharaj, accept what comes. Accept what comes. Epictetus would love this guy, huh? <laughs> accept what comes, let go what goes. Question, I feel I'm too weak to stand on my own legs. I need the holy company of a guru and of good people. Equanimity is beyond me. To accept what comes as it comes, frightens me. I think of my returning to the States with horror. <laughs> it's very peculiar. Maharaj, go back and make the best use of your opportunities. Get your Bachelor of Science degree first. <laughs> you can always return to India for your naturopathy studies. Being very practical instructions, huh? Question, I'm quite aware of the opportunities in the States. It is the loneliness that frightens me. He's doing a process on her, isn't he? She's, uh, Maharaj, you have always the company of your own self. Do not feel alone. You are estranged from the self. If you're estranged from the self, you'll feel alone even in India. All happiness comes from pleasing the self. Please it. We call that here from the upward shift. We know that when we're in harmony with the self, there is a, 
upward surge, an upward shift of energy. And we know that the self is pleased. So he's saying, do that, please it, keep, be, be attuned to what the self is saying, and you'll know that. It's a tuning device right inside you. After you return to the states, do nothing that may be unworthy of the glorious reality within your heart. Saying you are the self, you have this divinity in you, so act properly and that will flower. And you'll be happy and remain happy. But you must seek the self, and having found it, stay with it. Question, will complete solitude be of any benefit? I'm going to finish this dialogue. It's good, isn't it? Okay. Will complete solitude be of any benefit? And again, this is really great stuff. Maharaj, it depends on your temperament. You may work with others and for others, alert and friendly, and grow more fully than in solitude, <clears throat> which might make you dull or leave you at the mercy of your mind's endless chatter. Do not imagine you can change to violent effort. Violence, even turned against yourself, as in austerities and penance, will remain fruitless. <clears throat> so sometimes the yoga, and, and, I, and I experience this too, sometimes in the early stages of yoga, there's a violence you have against yourself. It's like you want to kill your mind, and you violently try to silence it by austerities, and so on. So there's this this element of self-hatred in it. He says, that's not going to work. If your temperament is a certain way, then being with people is a better yoga than being in a cave. But for some people, being in a cave is appropriate. And Baba created a whole world filled with people and intensity, and we grew through that world. Some people hated that. Baba would say, go stay here for a while. <clears throat> Question. Is there no way of determining who is realized and who is not? <laughs> Maharaj, your only proof is in yourself. If you find that you turn to gold, that will be a sign that you've touched the philosopher's stone. <clears throat> Stay with the person and watch what happens to you. Don't ask others. So trust your own experience. If you find a movement, a growth, an energy that's happening, you don't have to ask somebody else's permission. You know it. Their man, their man, the others, may not be your, your guru. You should understand that a guru may be universal in his essence, but not in his expression. He may appear to be angry or greedy or over-anxious about his ashram and his family, and you may be misled by appearances and judge his behavior, while others don't make that mistake. So you can't judge by the personality. It's what's underneath that. Question. Have I not the right to expect all-around perfection, both inner and outer? <laughs> yeah. Maharaj, inner, yes. But outer perfection depends on circumstances, the state of the body, personal and social, and other innumerable factors. That's interesting, isn't it? Question. I was told to find a yani so I may learn from him the art of achieving yan, wisdom, a, a person of wisdom, and now I'm told that the entire approach is false. And <laughs> really complaining. I can't distinguish a jnani by his behavior. And also that yogic techniques may not necessarily bring wisdom. It's all so confusing. Maharaj, all due to your complete misunderstanding of reality. 
Your mind is steeped in the habits of its evaluation and acquisition and will not admit that the incomparable and the unobtainable are waiting timelessly within your own heart for recognition. How's that? The incomparable and the unobtainable are waiting timelessly in your heart for recognition. Recognition is what the uh, Shaivites call it, Pratyavigna, the recognition of the self. The self has gone unrecognized. All we see is our suffering, our dramas, our melodrama, and all that. And we don't see the divinity that's in there. And it's just a, a matter of recognition. Don't be misled by your memories and your expectations. Keep yourself open and ready for anything. Question, I don't know if I can let go to that extent. <clears throat> Maharaj, you must see the need of letting go. Don't resist. Don't hold on to the personality you take yourself to be. So be open to transformation. Since you think of yourself as a limited person, you assume that the guru is also limited like you, only somewhat different, better informed, perhaps, and more powerful. You may say that he is eternally conscious and happy, but is far from expressing the whole truth. Don't trust definitions and descriptions they are grossly misleading. Question, unless I'm told what to do and how to do it, I feel lost. So that's a good statement, actually. <clears throat> Maharaj, it's all right to feel lost. That's an A statement. Feel lost. The path is a movement into the unknown. When you accept inner adventure, as your way of life, then discovery will come to you. That's a good dharma. You want to do that for a minute? Say, give up all, let's just for a moment, get rid of all your concepts about your life, its direction, your ambitions, your fears, and all that, and realize that we're on a rock hurtling through <laughs> infinite space. None of it makes any sense. It's infinite. It's unknown, it's uncertain. It's an adventure. No matter how conventionally we think, the unexpected is going to happen. No matter how caught we are in culture, that which is beyond culture will affect us. Okay, don't get too scared. <clears throat> when you accept inner adventure as your way of life, then discovery will come to you. Question, discovery of what, Maharaj? Of the center of your being, which is free of all directions, all means, and ends. Bhagavan Nityananda is a perfect example of that because he had no business going on. He had neither personal ambitions, no family ambitions. He had no career ambitions. No, uh, uh, he wasn't worried about his wardrobe. <laughs> he just, every day he sat there and he was in a state of bliss because he had nowhere to go that wasn't blissful. He had touched that place in the heart that he's talking about. Question, be all, know all, have all? Maharaj, be nothing, know nothing, have nothing. That's Bhagavan Nityananda, isn't it? Want to do that for a moment? 
be nothing, have nothing, know nothing. Just be there as conscious point that knows nothing, bees nothing, is nothing, just formless consciousness. Okay, did you like that? Okay. <clears throat> this is the only life worth living, the only happiness worth living, being nothing, know nothing, have nothing. Question, I do admit that the goal is behind my comprehension. Let me know the way at least. She's very persistent. It's a very good dialogue. She doesn't quit and she keeps announcing her uh, neuroses. <clears throat> Maharaj says, you must find your own way. Unless you find it yourself, it will not be your own way and will take you nowhere. Now something very good. Earnestly live your truth as you found it. Act on the little you've understood. It is earnestness that will take you through, not cleverness, your own or another's. Maharaj always said that, earnestness. And uh, Mumakshutva, this is a sincere desire to know the truth. Not, not to say, I'm a spiritual person, not to have a persona, look at me, I'm spiritual, but a real desire to get to the essence. That's what he's saying, that earnest desire that will carry you. He, in fact, he would say, earnestness enough is, a, is, is all you need. That's the desire to know the truth. Question, I'm afraid of mistakes. So, my things, so many things I tried, nothing came of them. Maharaj, you gave too little of yourself. You're merely curious, not earnest. Question, I didn't know any better. Maharaj, at least that much you know. Knowing them to be superficial, give no value to your experiences. Forget them as soon as they're over. Live a clean, selfless life, that is all. Question, is morality so important? Maharaj, don't cheat, don't hurt. Is it not important? Don't hurt others, don't cheat. Above all, you need inner peace. Above all, you need inner peace, which demands harmony between the inner and the outer the inner world and the outer world. Do what you believe in and believe in what you do. All else is a waste of energy and time. Great dialogue, isn't it? Wonderful. So act on what you know and act sincerely and earnestly and, know, and uh, grow and know what you don't know and know what you do know or admit to what you don't know and live from the point of view of what you do know. It means don't live in a bunch of theories and postures and beliefs, and because they're fashionable, whatever. Chop through all that and get to what's, what's in front. Wonderful stuff. <clears throat> Let's meditate. There's so much in that that I don't even know where to begin. I'm lost. So I will turn to Devi Ma. What, what one thing in that did you hear that was of great interest? Um, the only thing I can remember. That's all we want. <laughs> yeah. But I turned around those three instructions. Go ahead. Be nothing. Be, be nothing. nothing. Yeah. And what was the other one? I remember. 
I turned it around because to what? my mind flipped it. To, to? be everything. <laughs> okay. Be, be the self. All right, who has, who has one that struck them? Please no? yourself. What? Please yourself. Please yourself. Okay. There's another one. Another one? Earnestness. Earnestness, yeah. Uh, the master stabilized the breath. The breath would stabilize the breath. Stabilize the breath. Just to, just to watch the breath come in and go out and watch, make them even is a pr great pranayama. And as Devi Ma would say, watch the Dvada Santa. <laughs> the space between the breaths. The space above. Okay, so let's meditate for 10 minutes. <clears throat> the main thing that I heard was that there is within every person this location, this clear space of good feeling, this place of harmony and peace and joy and love, and that it gets obscured by the way we interact with our lives. Stuff happens and we react emotionally and when the emotions are negative, it pulls us away from that place, which is our natural state. And so the art of meditation is discovering and coming back to that state. And since it's our true nature, it can't be all that hard. So we have to let the mind become quiet and let that state come forth, that state that is the clear space of good feeling. And there are many ways to get to that space. One is by remembering times in your life when you were in that space. Of course, there's not one of us here who haven't felt that way for a little bit in our lives. So you could do that. Or you can say the mantra of this lineage, Om Namah Shivaya, and let other thoughts go away. Just let the thoughts not build up. Just keep saying the mantra, which means I am the self. I honor the self. Or you could even say, I am the self, and focus on uh, the essence. Let's meditate now for 10 minutes. And once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satgurunath Maharaj Ki Jai. Let's meditate now. 